Welcome to Dragonheart. It's a big one this year, uh, this week. I mean, <laughs> I am joined by Mark Griffiths, Bill Long, and myself, Che Long. So, three of us this week. A Griffiths between two Longs. I don't know what that means. It sounds like a bit. Well, we're going to be t- breaking down the Altrigan away game. Unfortunately, we didn't have the Boxing Day, Day game to cover as that was called off. But yeah, we have that to talk about. We both we all watched it, and we also have the Dragon Heart Awards, which should be very interesting. We've had a lot of interaction off Twitter, so yeah, should be a lot of fun. This is Dragon Heart. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. Well, Altrincham, it was quite a satisfying win, wasn't it, Mark? Very professional, I thought. Well, the first half hour, we battered them. And if it wasn't for Tony Thompson and goal for them, we could have scored absolutely hatful. It was fantastic to watch. And in the second half, I thought it was good game management. I mean, if you look at it, okay, Altrincham came into the game more. So what? We were never in danger. I mean, Lainton's only made one save in the whole match, and that was early on. All Altrincham's best decisions came through at best 50-50 and at worst bizarre decisions from the ref, like the close-range header when Lennon's been wrestled. So we were just totally in control, I thought. The only downside coming out of it was Jordan Davis's injury, but I thought it was a spectacular at first and then thoroughly a professional in the second. What's your thoughts, Bill? I, I think it was an interesting game just because we've seen a lot of games like that this season where... Uh, we've absolutely dominated the first half and then may- maybe sat back is the wrong word, but taken a-, a bit more of a cautious approach in the second half. And I think it's quite, um, it- it's showing that the team is starting to gel a little bit, that we can put two past the team and then not have to worry so much in that second half. I mean, Torquay uh, at home was a good example of where we-, we absolutely dominated that first half, got the one goal and you know, you go into that second half, you're giving them a little bit of a chance because you do need to have those sort of breaks in the game where you're not as intense as, as uh, other parts of the game and they go and get that that uh, equaliser. So, you know, hopefully a lot of um, the criticism of Parkinson uh, has been that we've sat back in that second half, but actually that that was a perfect example of when that kind of style of play works. I've got it. Yeah, yeah. you're dead right. And I've got to say as well, I mean, a lot of people talk about Parkinson being defensive. And I think I may have said this a couple of weeks ago. I don't think he is particularly. I think it's more that sometimes we lose control of games. And that's much more worrying, actually, <laughs> to be frank. But this wasn't an example of that, I don't think. You know, if Toza's shot had gone in, we'd have been three up with quite a bit of time to stick more past them. And as the game wore on, and you know, teams have the right to improve during a match. And Aldrigham did that. Their three substitutions all made an impact. So fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Altrincham as well. I think everyone looks as that as a piece of paper on a piece of paper. They've lost five in the last so whatever put, um, league games, but really, I think they're a side that's a lot better than that. I think yeah. they're actually a decent side. I just think they're in a bad run of form, and I think they had a point to prove against us. And we and sometimes teams with their backs against the wall, they're they're very hard to play against. So I think to get a very comfortable 2-0 win is a great way to get us into a, to keep this run going when we're playing Notts County, a very, very tough game against Notts County next week. 
best away record against best home record with four figures of Wrexham fans going across country to see it. That's a, it's a mouth-watering one now, isn't it? Blinking, like, but the Altrincham, like you say, they're a much better team than teams like Aldershot and Kingsland that we've battered this season. Much better. And I thought they were, they were good throughout the game going forwards, but we still kept them at arm's length, which pleased me. And defensively, though, they got players out and they, they were a mess defensively, I think, to be frank. Yeah, the, the, one of their centre-halves were... He just looked... I forgot his name now. Um, yeah. yeah. He looked very nervous every time he had the ball. It was just a long... It was, first half, it was a lot of... Pass the ball to Ben Tozer and he was playing balls over the top. And he he just looked very nervous and didn't look like he knew what to do with it when Ponticelli and Mullin were pressing him. Yeah, I think, I think it was... To be fair to Altenscombe, especially in the second half, they looked really organised going forward, didn't they? Like that Kolkoff... Uh, Looked like a decent player. Kulkloff and uh, uh, I'm trying to say the Celtic player's name. Kosolo. <laughs> Kosolo, that's the one. <laughs> they they seem to change uh, nicely between each other. And like you say, Mark, they, they, they're quite clearly a much better side than, than uh, some of the other teams that we face this year. But regardless, even if they're better, we've still got to be putting these teams to the sword. And we did that, to be fair. There's a very, very professional performance. Yeah, by the time the second goal's in, we're, we're in the comfort zone. And we're not for Thompson, who made three saves, two in the first half. That were really top draw. Um, we would have been in the comfort zone way before then as well, wouldn't we? So, yeah, I was I was really, really happy with it, to be honest. And, you know, looking across the team, the performances across the team were sound, weren't they? You know, that you didn't look mm-hmm. at anyone and go, oh, they weren't quite right. We were just in control of the match. It was very, very pleasing. Yeah, we were in control of the match and it, Let's talk that first goal as well now. It was a very satisfying goal to watch. It was a lovely ball into Jordan Davis, into Ben Toza. And there's just a lovely header in the perfect oppos- in the perfect position for Aaron Hayden. Lovely diving header finish. And surely I've never seen a centre-half get so many assists in one season. So, yeah, that's a point. Seven, is it? Let me double-check. Yeah. But, yeah, Toza's dangerous, isn't he? <laughs> With head, hand and foot. Yeah, he's very he's a very good footballer, Ben Toza. Mm-hmm. You know, his balls in, not just throw-ins, his crossings, excellent. I suppose it has to be to make the throw-in worth it at times because he can play the short one and he can just play a normal cross. But yeah, Ben Toza is one hell of a footballer for this level. Yeah, seven assists he's got. Yeah. And he could have had a goal as well. Surprising he hasn't scored yet, but he's because he's dangerous from set pieces, all three of them are. You were saying as well about Aaron Hayden after the game, weren't you? That, you know, where does he measure in terms of like goal scoring defenders in Wrexham's history? And we had a we had a, a quick exchange, messaging exchange. Um uh, Eddie Mays got 41 and he's a centre back. I thought he might have played some of those games as a centre forward, but I double checked, it doesn't appear to be the case. So, yeah, that's way off the leader. There's yeah. lots of players there who played as defenders and as midfielders as well, or even players like Dean Spink, who played as a defender and a striker, so we can't count them. Um, but, I mean, May scored a goal about every 10 games, and the only Wrexham defender who's only a defender who could even challenge that is Andy Holt. He's a little bit better in terms of strike rate. But having said that, I mean, Andy Holt was a wing-back. Eddie May was a centre-back. You know, he's more of a defender, isn't he, than 
then Holt used to power up and down the line. Um, but Hayden, what was it? Four goals in wow, thirty odd games. That's better than one in ten. So he, well, beg your pardon, doing him a disservice there. Four goals in twenty three games. So he's scoring one in six. So uh, yeah, if he keeps going like that, it'd yeah, be it'd be challenging, won't he? Give him give him another, you know, sort of six years at the back of Wrexham, we'd be challenging Eddie May. There's some seasons in a in the conference where he would have actually been on track to be a top goal scorer this season yeah. with that amount of goals at this stage <laughs> of the season. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because two two seasons ago our top scorer had five goals. So, wow, so yeah, exactly, that's a lot, there. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's really important for a successful side to to have centre backs chipping in with goals too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Dennis Smith used to say this, didn't he? Whenever he'd get asked after matches, are you glad that your centre-back scores? And he'd be, well, I expect them to chip in. I always tell my centre-backs, I expect five a season from them. And certainly that helps, doesn't it? But Lennon's getting on the end of a lot of stuff, isn't he? And he scored, yeah. he's, you know, he's scored a couple. Yeah, and Ben Toes is getting loads of assists. So a lot of goals are coming from our centre-halves, which is, is really, really good to see. Hasn't Brisley scored as well? And I know Clowerth played as a, a defensive midfielder in the FA Trophy, but he scored so that everyone who can play at centre-back is showing that they can actually contribute, which yeah. is great. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I like the way that Lennon gets on the end of things. Huh? I know that sounds stupid, but, you know, being a threat is not just about being big, is it? It's about actually anticipating situations, getting on the end of them. Lennon seems quite good at that. Ghosty, yeah. he misses a few. So does Hayden, but then they're not. So they're not play. They're not professionals to score goals. But it's just very useful when you've got them all chipping in like that. Well, if we're going to talk about aerial threats, it's not just from big, tall centre halves. We've got you know, look at what Ponticelli did for the second goal. That that has got to be assist of the season so far. I, I've never seen a, a header. It was it was a, a not a great cross by Reese or Johnson, but he sort of like pro, put himself in like a prone body position to flick this header on. It's somehow landed at the bo- um, landed at the bar. It's landed at Bryce Ozan, who has some killer instinct. He's there at the right place, right time. For me, that's another wonderful goal today. Well, well, well that day. It's not so much about the, um, in some ways, I, I totally agree. It's a fabulous goal. And it's sort of, it, it's not so much about the quality of the goal. It's the qualities of those players, isn't it? Ponticelli's yeah. ability to, to somehow make something out of nothing because he's, he's got you know, just think like you say of his body position think of where that ball came and it was a bit floaty so it wasn't like pinged in so you could just direct it somewhere how the hell has he got the leverage to put that header into a place where it's dangerous that's absolutely fabulous isn't it and then Hosanna like you say just that opportunism that he's, he's alert and awake and a lot of players would see a cross like that coming in from the other side and see that the centre forward's not quite going to reach it and we'll probably switch off a bit and think, oh, that's good. nothing's happening here. Or it might bounce through to me. But he's anticipated the header, he's anticipated the rebound, and he's kept very cool to place that header over the keeper before he can get up as well. It was wonderful, wasn't it, really? Yeah, really was. And it, there's a lot to say about the strikers in that game. I think Ponzicelli and Paul Mullins' work rate was excellent. It's just a shame they couldn't cap it off of a goal, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really bad. Um, yeah, and Ponticelli's really shown his worth at the moment. I think he, 
he, he was a bit unlucky last season with injuries and maybe Keats' style of play didn't 100% lend itself to the way Ponticelli uh, plays. And I think we'd have all been coming into this season other than, than Hyde and Mullin being first choices. I'd have probably said that Angus might have been the, the second choice striker to come in. But I think Jordan's really showing that that work rate is valued by Parkinson and, and the link-up play that he provides is, is really uh, essential to the way we play, really. Yeah, it's... It's funny, isn't it, how a player's career at a club might be affected by other circumstances, because surely, I'm thinking, when Keats bought Ponticelli permanently, he was thinking of him as our fox-in-the-box, he'll feed off Kwame Thomas sort of striker. You know, in his first spell with us on loan, he looked very sharp, didn't he, running on to knock-ons and, and getting into goal-scoring positions. And I just thought that's how he, what he was planning for him. But then Ponticelli didn't really get fit last season until near the end and was having to fit in with the system that we developed with, with Thomas turning out to be much better at attacking the six-yard box than I think we ever expected. And it makes me think of, of Scott Bowden in a way. But mm. when Bowden was brought in, he and Holroyd were lined up to be the front two. And Holroyd pulls a hamstring after about 20 minutes of the first game of the season. So instead of having Bowden up in the box where he can get on the end of things, Bowden starts becoming a second striker. We're bringing in Alex Reed to play ahead of him. We get uh, Tumbarus Masanka ahead of him. And although he's suited to that because of his awareness, the goals dry up for him, don't they? And, and he's seen maybe as not being a success at Wrexham, whereas to be fair to him, I think he, he did quite a lot of good creative work and intelligent work up front. But he wasn't that frontline striker that maybe we've... Intended him to be at first, but Holroyd's injury altered everything. Do, do you think Ponticelli could be used sitting just behind the strikers? I think him, yeah. The only thing is, he's more in attacking midfield than the 10, isn't he? It's, you yeah. know, I mean, Davis behind the strikers, a different type of player to Ponticelli, isn't he? Because he'll yeah, make passes. Another big talking point about this game, which is very unfortunate. Is the Jordan Davis injury, isn't it? I don't, I don't know the extent of it just yet, but it did not look good, did it? Well, yeah, that's that's not yeah. good, is it? But <laughs> well, at least it's not broken collarbone. That's, yeah, that, that's no question. A long time out. I know that Parkinson said it was a serious one, and he may hope not. He may be telling the truth, <laughs> but he may also be playing a cute little game to catch Notts County by surprise. Because if if it's not a really bad dislocation, people can pop them back in, can't they, and, and be okay. So let's hope so. Yeah, it depends if there's really any sort of muscle or lig ligament damage around it rather than it just being a simple pop-in, pop-out, doesn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, shoulder injuries are a funny one because it you might be all right for a couple of weeks and then something, some mm. contact could happen and it goes again. Hopefully not, you know, it, it, it's... You, you, <laughs> you're not open for that kind of thing to happen. Mm. But I think now it kind of puts us in a difficult position transfer-wise because we've got to look at someone else to maybe fill that position, whether it's someone from within the squad or we've got to go and then get another player to, to cover Jordan. Um, which, I mean, we talked quite extensively about who we were going to look for uh, during the January transfer window on the, the halftime show, a little plug for my uh, my debut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, available in podcasts now. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked about maybe, you know, like one left wing back, one uh, centre midfielder and one striker. And maybe another luxury player, if that's the kind of thing that we could go for. If we were getting four, it would now have to be two centre midfielders, wouldn't it? I think definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
unless well, hopefully we're playing it cute over Jordan. But I think as well, oh, I think if this transfer window goes according to plan, and did you see that tweet from Rob McElhenney, which I was pondering, thinking of as my moment of the year, to be honest with you, um, <laughs> because it got me very excited, saying about how January is going to be going to be fun. Uh, you know, when I saw that, I, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe the idea is that we will create awkward situations for Parkinson because we will be buying players in of a high quality, and and we, you know, he'll have to murder his darlings. He'll have to maybe leave a player out who's been doing well simply because that's how you improve a team. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really exciting, isn't it? I, I am really looking forward to this month if it all goes to plan. Yeah, yeah. So. What other talking points do you think there is, Mark, from this game? Um, none. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I thought, again, the wing-backs did well. The yeah. way they're getting forwards and getting the crosses in. Uh, you know, they were a menace, weren't they? And you know, once again, you just see that the, the, Bryce Susanna, uh, this fascinates me. We were talking, like I said, in the half-time show about do we want an experienced left wing-back alongside him? Which is a reasonable question, you know, promotion running for a lad who's not got much professional experience behind him. But having said that, do you trade off against the fact that teams are terrifying to really hard to defend against him because he's quick and he runs up and he can go either way? Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And I think another talk another talking point as well, uh, from this game, which not many people have talked about, I think is uh, Kwame Thomas coming on for his first league game in a long time and showing the qualities that he can bring to this team with his hold, with his hold-up play. I don't think we have a, a striker who's as good as him in the air or can hold the ball up as well as him. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I was chatting to my lad afterwards and he said, oh, he loved when Thomas came on. Comes on for nine minutes and wins 33 kicks. This <laughs> was brilliant, wasn't he? I love that one on the halfway line where he got there He's facing his own goal. An Altrincham player is running at him from the right half, and he just quickly jumped 180 degrees around the ball to make the Altrincham block run into him. And it was just world class free kick buying. It was it was magnificent. You but, need that kind of experience, cynicism, don't you? In a, in a team that want to go up, you've, you've just got to have it. That gamesmanship, you can't. It's a kind of quality that you can't really buy. And it's exciting, isn't it? Because Kwame seems to have hit the ground. So I would have to say quicker than I expected them to. You know, the Gloucester game and that game, I'm not saying he's 100% at all, but he, he looks a lot closer to the Kwame we know than I expected him to after, what, 80 minutes of football. Um, he looks he looks good and that's exciting. You know, I'm going to say it, the old cliche, he's like a new signing. <laughs> but, but he is because we, we haven't had a striker like that. You know, Jake Hyde, yes, he is sort of a target man, isn't he? But he's not. A Kwame Thomas target man, is he? Kwame can really bully centre-backs, can't he? You know, you don't expect the centre-forward to be winning the percentage of hedges that he often does win in a game against centre-backs. And and he's and Hyde is more of a fixed point, which is no bad thing. I'm not trying to knock Hyde at all. It's not quite gone right for him yet, but, you know, the movement of Mullen around him in pre-season that looked like a really promising partnership. But Hyde keeps getting injured often because he's putting his body on the line, as Thomas does. But yeah, Thomas has got that movement as well. He can drive down channels. He gets in the six-yard box. 
And uh, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be great if he can get up and running fully and start working a Mullen. And, of course, you know, any other strikers we might buy, Mbappe or whoever. And yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> Well, Anthony Martial's not happy, is he, at the moment? So there you go. maybe a cheeky bid for him. <laughs> anyway, that game was a very satisfying game. I think both halves, in a nutshell. Now, you know, we were great first half, and it was nice to see us not concede in the second half, and you know, show the nitty gritty side to us, which I, which I've really enjoyed. And I'd like to see us do that at home more often. But that leads us into good form, going to a really, really hard game in the 2nd of January with a lot of Wrexham fans going to it. Any any quick thoughts on the Notts County game, Mark? Well, they're supposed to be struggling with COVID, aren't they? But to oh, right. get the game played. So if that's the case, then well, we, we have an opportunity to go at them. Like we said before, best away record in the league against the best home record in the league. So it's uh, something's got to give. Do you not think that could be a bit of a um, gamesmanship by Notts County there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I seem to think. That's what I seem to think they're doing because yeah. it surely would be called off by now if it was going to be called off, wouldn't it? I haven't seen this one myself, where I was told the National League changed their rules. Is it this week? So that if you've got fourteen players, the game's got to go ahead. If that's the case, then it makes it harder to call games off, which obviously be the reason to bring that in. And would favour teams with squad depth like us. Well, I've not seen that the National League do have that announcement. That's no surprise because the National League aren't really the greatest at announcing things, are they? And mm. it's a bit cowboy country. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Bertrand, the manager, who is a uh, you know can be a cynical customer, is playing games. But by the same token. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I hope I'm right if we are playing a little bit of a game with Jordan by yeah. emphasising how bad that injury is. I hope we are. Because as you say, Bill, if he's got muscular injury around a dislocated shoulder, it could still be weeks and weeks. Oh, let's let's hope that's not the case. But yeah, so a, a really fascinating game coming up and a lot of Wrexham fans who are, including myself, trying to get tickets. <laughs> it's going to be a cracking atmosphere with two really big clubs, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, and it, this is a game, really, that should be played in the Football League, isn't it? Two huge clubs at this level, uh, you know, huge fan bases. I mean, with the fact that we're going to be taking thousands there just goes to show that, especially this time of year, uh, people's financial situations, COVID, yet we're still managing to take well over at one how many extra were sold today? I know we sold out very quickly, but it was 1,200 initially, wasn't it? And there was some more that went on sale and they went with, I mean, I tried to get some and they were gone within seconds, I think, by all accounts. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. And I, and I think a game, if we do win, is really going to kick us on for the rest of the season. Oh, no question. So, We've got momentum already, haven't we? We've, our current form is very good. If we can go to a promotion rival and win, we'd be laughing. And also, we'd have six away wins in a row, which is one off the club record. Well, that really kickstarts the promotion charge, that, doesn't it? I'll say, yeah, yeah. It, it really does. And it, it's going to be a very interesting January. And it's, I am really excited to be a part of Wrexham AFC at the moment. Um, after this, we're going to be doing 
our own little award show. From the heart of your community, this is Calon FM. Well, here is the Dragon Heart Awards of this year. Thanks for the Wrexham AFC official Twitter for plugging it. It was really nice. And we've had a lot of responses from Twitter, haven't we, Mark? Oh, 100%, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really hit off. It's been really, really nice. We've gone through, we've got a lot of few, we've got a lot of categories to go through. So the first category we are going to go for is player of the year. So we're going to get the responses from Twitter from Mark. Yeah, well, give you a, a bit of a sample. I mean, Alan Davis, firstly, for player of the year, Jordan Davis. He says 16 calendar year goals from late March. Well, yeah, he put a quite, uh, I mean, that's quite an achievement. It's actually 17, so even better. So, yeah, he's going for Jordan. A shout, another shout for Jordan for the way he finished last season and the way he started this one. John Davis on balance. Interesting this. Most probably Hall Johnson or Lainton, who he actually autocorrected to Latino. I can't like that idea. <laughs> Makes him seem a bit exotic, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and Rob1927 says the best game is... Oh, no, hang on. Not sure about the player for the year, but the foundations have been laid to kick on next month. He thinks Parky and the backroom staff deserve a pat on the back for that. The poll that we ran for player of the season is interesting. 76.92% said Jordan Davis. 15% says Rob Lainton. 7% said Paul Mullen. Um, the reason I said it was interesting, Hall, J- Hall Johnson or Lington, is that, you know, I guess the first problem you have when you look at player of the year rather than player of the season is, are you going to look at Mullen, who's put in half a season and done really well, or do you have to look at someone who's put in the whole 12 months? Yeah, this is what I was thinking, because I think Mullen's that good that you could say, yes, he's made that significant of an impact. You could say he is player of the year. I personally haven't gone for him, but I can see why a lot of fans have. Yeah. What's yeah, I think it, well, I, I think, you know, I was actually quite surprised that Paul Mullen's not a bit higher in a way just because he's so popular with the fans. I mean, he was the last striker to come in and transform uh, the atmosphere around the club. Probably Andy Mangan, would you say, maybe came in and, and he was really another scouser who came in and really transformed how people saw that current team and then obviously you're going back to Ugarte before that probably um we do love a, a scout striker at the at the race course don't we uh, Lee Trundle yeah the real impact when he first came in it does, uh, yeah Louis, Louis Maltz was loved as well wasn't he oh yeah it helps yeah. yeah I mean what, what kick in your first starts from the edge of the area as well to be fair <laughs> so yeah, yeah. um some interesting uh, choices there. I think Rob Lainton um, doesn't get talked about enough, does he? No. Um, in fact, he does also get a call for un- unsung hero. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of people, you know, maybe take feel he's taken for granted a bit. But yeah, he's a he's such a reliable keeper. But he's such a good reflex keeper as well, isn't he? Makes 
he'd make some terrific saves. That game that we lost at home to Yeovil, I mean, he made two outrageous saves. And luckily, yeah. one of them, they scored from the rebound, and the other one still went in because he should have had no chance to even get a hand on it. And he nearly pushed it over the bar, even though it was only about a yard off the floor. It was an astounding attempt to make a save. But no, I've I got a lot of time for Lincoln, a lot of time for him. He, he, he's a goalkeeper that's safe hands, isn't he? He's just a safe pair of hands in the middle of the goal. And he sh- I think he should be playing at a higher level, personally. He, he's brilliant. He, and I like how angry and emotional he gets at times as well. So, yeah, Rob Lincoln and Riesel Johnson, too, even though I know he's been out a lot this season through injury. So that's, that's why I didn't pick Riesel Johnson. But he was, he was definitely in my thoughts. So, yeah, that, that's a real interesting one. So, first, we're going to go with Bill's Player of the Year, as he is so, the newbie to Dragonheart. <laughs> so, I've gone for Rob Linton. Uh, I really uh, deliberated over this. We had a little bit of a, a, a chat over Messenger beforehand. I think Jordan Davis is the standout, but uh, no disrespect to Davis. You could take him out of that side, and there are players who could fit in and maybe do, do a job in his role. Whereas uh, I'm going to come on to Dibble a little bit later on over something else, but Rob Layton is so important to this team. There, there are games this season where we would have dropped points if he hadn't have been playing, and it's as simple as that. Saves, I think, uh, against Dagenham and Redbridge kept us in the game, and that was three points against a, a potential promotion rival. That you know, at that, at that point in the season, you 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 lose those. Uh, you draw that game or you lose the game if he doesn't save all those chances and it's three points less. And we, 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 you know, we're a point away from the, the top of the table at the moment. That gives you that platform. Uh, and we certainly missed him last year when he wasn't there. So it was, it was a tough choice between him and Jordan and uh, honourable mention to Riesel Johnson. But for me, it, it has to be Lane to me. He's absolutely magnificent player. Yeah, I, I 100% echo everything you say, Bill. And I think the more impressive thing of Rob Lainton is he's played with a lot of back threes in these last two seasons too. And for him to still play as consistent for these, for the, for this year, just really shows his quality. Doesn't it, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. He's played behind back threes, back fours. If he'd been here under Gary Mills, he'd have played behind the back norm for a bit. I rate Lainton extremely highly. He's not my, um, choice though, I have gone obvious. Seventeen Absolutely. goals in in a, in a calendar year. He's played more games than anybody else as well. It's got to be Jordan Davis for me. Fifty yeah. games out of fifty three for us this season. Um, I, I I should mention though before I go on to him, nobody's talked about Luke Young. Yeah, the second most appearances of the year forty eight, and those two are well ahead of the third person who I'll ask you to name in a second. And I'm surprised by it, but. Lington, I mean, yeah, oh, sorry, not Lington, sorry, uh, Davis, he works hard, he ticks the battling for his home team, town team uh, box, uh, but the quality as well, you know, he's, he's versatile, but it's when you put him in those attacking positions that he really shines, and the free kicks he scores, long-range goals, goals where he's attacking the box, his assists, his set pieces, I mean, he's, he's a superb all-round player, and... For me, absolutely has to be the player of the year. But but Young is unfortunate not to get mentioned. You know, I mean, he, he was top scorer last year, remember, and yeah. has been One extremely consistent. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who's, who's made the first amount of appearances after Davis, fifty, and then Young, forty-eight? Who's made the third highest amount of appearances this season? If you guess right, I will give you a thousand pounds. This season or year? Do you mean? I've just realised that I've sent you a PDF with this, so I might. This might be an expensive question. This year, twenty twenty-one. I, I don't know if you noticed, Mark, but maybe the colour of my glasses changed on this as I was opening the PDF just to have a cheeky oh, look. No. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it for Che to guess. <laughs> right. I have a third. Right. Okay. Ooh, I really can't think. Oh, there's, there's, been a lot of in, there's been a lot of injuries, isn't there? <laughs> um, uh and we've had a lot of changes in squads from last season to this season. You got five seconds. Uh, I'll just go. I'll go for a crazy one. Tyler French. Oh, thank God you said crazy one. I thought you had it. Tell him, Bill. It's uh, un- unless unless I can't read properly. It is Riesel Johnson. Oh, you can't read oh, properly. Wow. No, it's not. Oh no, I'm just looking at league appearances. That night. <laughs> well, a thousand yeah. pounds is safe. Your <laughs> glasses. New glasses. Your Angus. Oh, Thirty nine. Right. Well, well that has surprised me. Angus 39, Ponticelli 37. Oh, of course. I can't add up. Yeah. I'm not looking at the substitute appearances as well. Yeah. And uh, Johnson right. and record 34 each. French 33, Linton 32, Kelleher 27, Dan Jarvis 25. Oh, wow. And then we get into some more players who became the season. Toza 24, Hayden 23, Dibble 23. I've got to say, I should point out to you, Bill, as you are an IT teacher, that there is a column <laughs> there that says overall appearances. So well done for trying to add everything together. The Greenman, Colum R. Honestly, well, there we go. That's a shocker. There goes, there goes my job in the IT department. There uh, you go. How about you, Jay? <laughs> what's your, what's your, uh, what's your choice? Um, I've gone for Jordan Davis as well. I think. He's just been excellent, you know, some absolute astounding individual um, performances. Yeovil last season, the home game, he was excellent. Halifax away last season, he was mm. unbelievable. Um, and in recent memory, Gloucester at home, he just completely ran the show and was a cut above everybody else and scored what is second, the best goal of the year, um, his second goal against Gloucester was unbelievable technique. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've gone for John Davis. I've gone for everyone else. So I think he probably is the unanimous winner, isn't he? Yeah, I think I think so. Well, not so unanimous. Oh, yeah. Well, not <laughs> unanimous. He's the yeah. He's the he's he he is the winner really because everyone's yeah, voted I, for him. I think it is the choice, and I think there's something to be said as well about. Uh, especially promotion-winning teams having a hometown player that the, the fans can get behind. You look at, um, like, so Leeds with Phillips the other year and uh, Grealish at Villa when they went up. There is something about a team having uh, homegrown talent trying to, to win promotion. I just think just having that one or two players that, that know the area and know the fan base is, is really helpful and, you know, and it helps when your quality like Jordan is. Mm. It surprised me. I had the luck after he scored a hat-trick at Halifax and he was only something like the 11th Wrexham-born player to score a hat-trick for Wrexham. Wow. Um, so, I, I mean, going all the way back. I know that the you know the records get a bit scratchy in the pre-football league era, but still, that's, that's quite striking. He also, I should have mentioned, uh, equal most assists in the season. 
he and Luke Young got 10 assists. So, you know, 17 goals, 10 assists in 50 start, uh, fifty appearances. Not bad. And 14 yellow cards, which is going some. Yeah, well, he's an excellent player and he's really, you know, with a new squad around him, he, he's really carried that on this season. It's such a shame that he has a bit of an injury in a really important part of the season, but I'm sure he'll be back as good as ever soon. So, yeah, hats off to John Davis, hats off to Rob Lington for getting our votes. Um, the next one is goal of the year. So I'll bring you back to Mark again, who's going to get the Twitter reaction. Yeah, um, this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because <laughs> we've got we so many fantastic goals this season. Ali Davis suggests Dave Jones away to Solihull. He had the perfect view. What a hit. Absolutely. Yeah, what a beautiful strike, strike. That was. Yeah. We've also had for quality, Jordan Davis's hat-trick sealing our volley against Halifax, which is the one that won goal of the season last season. And then for the occasion, Paul Mullen scoring at the same ground a few months later. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, Mullen's yeah. late winner. John O'Devitt said Max Cleworth because it ticks a lot of the boxes for him. It was a, an absolutely fantastic yeah. strike, wasn't it, that? We had the top of the poll, 41%, was Jordan Ponticelli's at Aldershot. Second was Jordan Davis's outside of the foot goal against Gloucester. Yeah. Third was the, the goal of the season from last season with 8%. Equally, David Jones at Solihull, Luke Young's free kick at Wood, and also Cleworth's goal at Gloucester. Uh, so wow, there's some there's some corkers there, and plenty of great goals that we haven't even mentioned. Oh yeah, there's some fantastic goals last season as well. I think last season's goals probably won't get as talked about as much as fans weren't in the stadium. So I think there's a a lot from last season that we can talk about. Again, I'll bring you to Bill for his goal of the year. I had a real tough time choosing this one because I know we we. Took a lot of we've taken a lot of criticism over the last uh, calendar year for being a defensive side, but when you actually look at the score, the you know the goals that we have scored, we've had some absolutely fantastic goals. But um, the one I had to go for was uh, Ponticelli against Old uh, Old Shot. I mean that finish, it it was like something out of the Premier League. Uh, I know you know when when you're leading the game so handily, it's it's it almost diminishes the goal in a weird way. But that finish was just Wow, what what an absolute belter of a goal. Yeah, 100% agree. And it shows the potential and the quality for such a young player. I think everyone forgets how young Jordan Ponticelli is. He, you know, he has real quality and that was a sublime finish. Absolutely right. I also went for that. <laughs> so oh. um, I just think that's, that's the goal. Oh, gosh, that, that got me out of my seat. I would say, despite the fact that we've got these wonderful strikes, we had so many crazy goals when Davis and Young were wonderful. But it, 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 the finish was glorious, but the setup was fantastic. The speed of the breakaway, oh, there's something, there's something about breakaways that make me happy. I don't know why, but for me, a, a fast team breaking away is my favourite thing to watch in football. And the way that James Jones got it on the right, took on his man, and if you remember, flicked it over his head and sprinted past him and onto it. Jarvis then makes a run down the line, which sort of cuts off Jones's path. 
So Jones instead looks inside and pings an absolute perfect ball to Bronticelli. His first touch is perfection. And then, all right, you think, oh, a striker's one-on-one like that. He's going to take it into the box and engage the keeper. And Bronticelli showed such confidence in sort of leaning across, maybe slightly losing his balance and just dipping that beautiful curler in the top corner. That, that, was, that was, I would marry that goal if it was legal. <laughs> well, that is a fantastic goal, but I've gone for one that no one has mentioned yet. Um, and it's personally my personal favourite from last season. And fortunately, me and Mark, well, fortunately for us, that's so lucky last season that we have got to watch mm. the games live. Um, and it's one I've mentioned quite a lot on Dragonheart, if people have listened, is that Dior Angus's first goal against Bromley last season. Um, it was just such... We were at such a good angle to see the goal. Mm. It was a ball pl- beautifully played by Tyler French over the top, over the se- over the centre back, and Dior Angus makes this beautiful cut in run to the far post. It bobbles twice over his head. The ball bounces over Dior Angus' head, and it's beautiful, like quarter volley, may you call it, top left hand corner uh, from such a tight angle is a goal I don't think is talked about enough, really. Mm. I think you're right. I mean, it's just like I'm saying that there's so many goals that we scored last year and, well, this, this whole calendar year have been great. I'd completely forgotten about that one. And it was a hell of a goal. It, 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 it looked like it on TV at home. It, yeah. was, it was superb, yeah. It looked like something that had been worked on in the training ground as well. It, it looked like Tyler French has practiced playing that ball to the Orangus and the Orangus um, has worked on that run and that finish. So, yeah, for me, what a, fa- uh, a satisfying goal. If I remember, Dior Angus scored two contenders for goal of the year that day. So, uh, so yeah, I know, Mark, you preferred the second one, didn't you, at the time? You just but, put the words up my mouth. Yeah, the second. It shows how wonderful these goals were. That I, I actually preferred his second goal to that one. That both wonderful strikes. But, uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant goal, yours. Yeah, I, I so, love that goal. Let's go slightly off topic, not to, not to uh, go on too much, but if that's the kind of player that we've got on our bench. It's quite exciting, isn't it? You know, someone who can come on and produce those kind of goals and he's not getting games. If we have a little bit of a sticky patch for COVID and injuries, you know, we've got someone like Dior to come on, really cause uh, teams a hassle, haven't we? Oh, between yeah. the three of us, we're picking Bonticelli and Angus, who both could be in that position when Thomas is fully fit and maybe we buy other strikers. So, yeah, not bad, is yeah. um, yeah, it? Yeah, little points. It's a real just, strong depth. Absolutely. <laughs> Just to back up what you were saying, Bill, you know, people talk about us being defensive. I can't help thinking that people say that and just get stuck in that mindset without looking at the games. Um, so just to give some statistical backup to you, we scored 84 goals this season, um, which in the league, uh, since 1977, we've only scored more than that once. And that was in the second half of the 90-point season when we scored 90. Wow. So that's that's not bad, is it, really? In the last 44 no, years, this is our third highest total of goals scores, and yet we are defensive. <laughs> as as Halifax <laughs> complained just... when we scored four at theirs, and as Woking complained when we scored four at theirs, and as Kings Lynn and Aldershot complained when we scored 11 in total past them. Yeah, we're very defensive. That's our problem. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. I think you've answered Everything that I thought of there. Is there any other honourable mentions that either you want to mention for goal of the year? Anything about Luke Young and Jordan Davis? Yeah. yeah. 
the, yeah. the Jordan Davis free kick. Uh, oh, I can't even remember the name yeah. of the, 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 the team that we were playing, but that from a couple of weeks ago, that was a fantastic free kick, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Any, yeah, any free kick them to have scored as well, because there's plenty of them to choose from. The quality of the book, uh, I thought you meant the one against Bromley last season from about 30 yards, which was magnificent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a free kick as well. There was the Resol Johnson goal, was it against Dover, where he sort of dribbles past three or four players, hits it on the wrong foot, sort of unbounced, and it goes bottom corner. That, that, I like that one. Um, Mullen. There was the Ponticelli goal against... Yeah, Mullen against Dakenham. There was the Ponticelli goal against Boreham Wood last season, which was a last-minute crazy-headed technique. Uh, yeah, I really don't subscribe to the fact that we're a defensive team we scored a lot of goals and a lot of amazing goals. So, yeah, I, I, it's quite nice looking back and reminiscing on them. If Keats and Parkinson are so defensive, I'd love to see if us with the handbrake off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, we've had some – We had some. it was really nice to talk about those goals then. So, yeah, next one is moment of the year, which I'm sure there is absolute plenty of. Oh, yeah. And they are really interestingly diverse as well. So, for example, uh, Ali Davis saying that his moments with the signing of Mullen, which was a serious statement from Robin Ryan. Uh, we also had uh, another one on the same thing about the press release, including the words League Two Player of the Year and Top Goal Scorer. That's when it really felt like it was all stepping up a few levels. John Davis as well said his moment is seeing the Mullen teaser and his jaw dropping when he saw who it actually was. So, yeah, there's there's some nice choices there. We've also had the Max Cleveth goal against Gloucester. The announcement of the new ownership. Robin Ryan's visit gets a couple of votes, and they'll get three votes there at least. Uh, the Mullen goal away at Halifax. Robin Ryan seeing how brilliant this club is. I like that. There's been an awful lot to celebrate, haven't there? But those those little moments, well, that's the hard thing to define, isn't it? It's been the craziest year being a Wrexham football fan. It, it, you could just pick out hundreds. So let's hear yours first, Bill. Um, I've gone for slightly left field one. Uh, my personal moment of the year was actually not the signing of Paul Mullin, but the signing of Ben Tozer. Because I think when we signed Mullin, there's something about going out and spending a lot of money on a, a, a striker. And, you know, you, you, you hear some of the figures that have been bandied about and how accurate they are, who actually knows. But teams that have got money are expected to go and sign out one marquee player. When we actually signed Ben Tozer, uh, well, there was that famous tweet, well, semi I should say infamous, really, tweet from that Cheltenham fan where they'd uh, written... Uh, Paul Mullen wasn't the best player of the year last year. It was Ben Tozer. And then we've gone and nicked Ben Tozer on, on top of signing Paul Mullen. And I thought, wow, this isn't just a flash in the pan. We mean business here. We've gone and got some people's player of the season, the captain of Cheltenham. They've just gone up. There's all, you know, he should be playing in League One this year, really, as their captain. But that for me was, uh, okay, yeah, this isn't, this isn't just a little bit of fun. This is actual real serious business. I like that, Bill. Uh, I hadn't thought about that myself, but yeah, signing Ben Tozer was such a big deal, and he, he is a player of such high quality, and I think that 
you know, especially against Altrincham and all the assists he's brought from centre half and in his experience, he's got a real aura about him as well. Yeah, I, I'd really have to agree with you there. That's really good. Well, mine was when Rob McElhenney names me as the greatest player in Wrexham <laughs> history. No, no, okay. Um, maybe, maybe it's not that. Oh, okay. Uh, it was, although he did, I should emphasise, he did. It was a mistake, but he did. Um, <laughs> I, I call me a sentimental old fool. Kwame Thomas scoring in against Oh, Oscar. yeah. I know the game was won, but it's a moment. And it was just, I mean, the, the reception he got when he came on, uh, was brilliant. Well, when, you know, when you saw he was starting, should I say, and the support he was getting. But when he scored, everybody in the stadium, I think that meant something to everybody. And, and that was brilliant. And, and you know, I've got to say, I mean, Kwame, obviously it's valuable to us in terms of his qualities as a player, that we get him back and he's scoring goals. Um, but he's also a really nice bloke, a genuine fella, nice to talk to, very approachable. It's nice to see nice guys actually have something good happening for them. It was gut-wrenching when he got that injury. Uh, by far and away, I think, the lowest point in terms of football of the year. Um, and when you remember that first, it wasn't clear whether he'd get a contract or not. And Rob McElhenney stepped in and said, oh, no, 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 he's, he's part of our family. We are giving him a contract. Um, you know, that he could easily have ended up unemployed and searching desperately for a club now, having not maybe had the best support to get him fit. But this is a great example here of, of uh, as, a, as a club, as a community, as a team, us all rallying together, the medical people doing a fantastic job and Kwame, a good bloke, uh, coming back, hitting the ground running and scoring. That, for yeah. me, was was a quite emotional moment, to be honest. Yeah, it was. And I think sometimes, because there was so little fans in the ground, wasn't there? And I think... Mm everyone went mental I've, I've never gone so yeah. mental seeing someone score a goal and it was an FA trophy game the game was all but done and all all three of us commentators went mental when he scored and it it was a really really lovely moment and some would say it, it was God's plan so, oh, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah we, we all I'm, I'm a huge fan of Kwame Thomas and I think most fans are aren't they Bill yeah I think it adds to it as well that we've not actually seen him live so I mean, I didn't go to that game, for the, but for those that were there, it was an yeah. opportunity to give yeah. them a bit of appreciation to actually, I know you guys have been lucky enough to be doing the commentary, but for the, the as oiks that don't get to go to the games when there's nobody there, <laughs> yeah. uh, it it's, uh, must have been a nice moment for those who, who did see it. And I did genuinely really regret uh, not being able to go to that game in the end. So f- fair play, what, what a player. And, to sort of contrast that, if you were to pick the worst moment of the of the year, him getting injured probably stopped us from reaching the playoffs. And actually, it tails out, tail ends both sides of uh, his injury, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly believe if Kwame Thomas was fit for the whole of last season, um, we would have made the playoffs because he was real quality. Him and Dior Angus linked up really well. Um, yeah, he was real quality, and it was such a shame that he got injured. My moment of the year was actually it's a bit of a strange one it's not really actually football related really it was actually walking to the ground on that first home game of the season against Notts County and seeing the feeling the buzz in the air and then seeing the fans outside of the turf singing the songs I think it symbolized 
so much things. The football is back with fans, the new exciting owners and how much the club actually means to town itself. And when the club's bouncing, the town's bouncing, people are spending money. And it's just so, it was so nice. It was such a nice, unique feeling being a Wrexham fan, walking to the ground and just seeing that the fans are back and that we're finally home again. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, a real, really nice moment. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Vose and uh, this is Dragonheart. Game of the year. What's What's been the reaction, Mark? Right, Ali Davis, game of the year. Bournemouth 2, Wrexham 3. No explanation needed. Uh, he, his words, not mine. Uh, again, we have got another vote for, yeah, that's quite popular. Bournemouth 2, Wrexham 3. John Devitt, Halifax away last season. Apart from the glory of the game, this reason's beautifully personal. It was my birthday and I watched the stream with a whole roast chicken to myself. Very impressive. Was it a rum chicken, I wonder? And, yeah, Rob going for Halifax away. I, I think he means this season. In terms of the poll, well, if you... If we make Halifax suffer, Wrexham fans enjoy it. 75% of the votes went to those two games. The 4-0 one game top, the 2-1 second. Bournemouth game was third. And there was also a vote for the 5-0 win at Aldershot. Nice. So, Bill, what's yours? Uh, difficult to say with having not been uh, at all of the games, but if we're talking just very quickly, a streamed game and a, a, a live game. Boring word for the stream game because that that was amazing watching those goals go in and for uh, live game just the first game of the season just to be back. Yours, Mark. For me, I, f- I found this quite difficult. There've been quite a lot of really good wins on there, especially away performances. Uh, I think I'd go Halifax because it was just we like three 0 up after about twenty minutes and the game's absolutely dead. It was fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed the walking game for similar reasons. The four 0 there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I'd go for the Halifax one because, all right, we have battered a few teams uh, over the past year, but that's the one that has Jordan Davis scoring an unbelievable hat trick in it. So yeah, yeah, I think I'd go Halifax away the four nil. I'm going to go as the same as a lot of people said. I know Boreham word last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ponticelli, uh, Riesel Johnson, Ponticelli getting late goals. Yeah, not much to say about that one. It was just absolutely. Electric. I've neglectfully forgotten that Tim Lewis, who was on the show last week, of course, came up with a beautifully succinct response to all four of these questions. Player, game, goal and moment were all Paul Mullins scoring the injury time winner at Halifax. Uh, It felt like a genuine turning point in our season. Confirmation of a new hero for us all to worship. And no man has ever looked so good in a bra. Do you remember this celebration with his GPS yeah. vest on? <laughs> yeah. Now, unsung hero. Oh, my gosh. Well, firstly, there's been a lot of love, and quite rightly, for Dragon Chat. Now, I, I think yeah. partly the mental health group, but I think also they're talking about Steve Lloyd, who will always be the first to point out he is not the only person behind Dragon Chat, but we do know that he does an amazing amount. Russ Giggsy puts it beautifully. He's put so much hard work into the community aspect of the club before and after the takeover, and now he's organising the Meltner Health Group. Absolute credit to the club. I strongly have, have known Steve for years. So true. And just as an indication of that, look at how much love that comment got. Blog Droids, you know, I'll second that. Shag Magazine, uh, also free clapping emojis. 
um, our girl with, oh, my Welsh pronunciation not as good. Yes, Dragon Chat for me. And then also Max Griffiths, no relation. It's got to be uh, Dragon Chat 3. Uh, one of the only football club mental health groups I've seen continued against the odds. So, I mean, I, I couldn't disagree with that for a second. Um, Deadpool United. I'm not so sure about your call. It's a, it's a fine person to give an award to, but it's Jordan Davis. I don't reckon he's unsung. He's just a hero. Yeah. So I agree with you totally. We'll cross out the first word. Um, Chaz uh, says unsung hero. Now, he is one that will divide people. Dean Keats took a group of players, some of whom were on less than minimum wage, with a razor-thin bu uh, budget almost to the playoff, playing some great football along the way. Doesn't get the respect he deserves for last season. He led us through uncertainty, and now we're benefiting. And Tim Lewis agrees. Dean Keats put up with lots of stick. He very nearly managed to get the team in the playoffs before the investment kicked in. Did a very good job and picked up some very good players on freeze. Felt very sorry for him in that last interview he did. A sad way to go. Kelvin and Nye say Rob Layton, echoing what we were saying before. Doesn't get anywhere near the praise he deserves. He'd walk into a League One team. Fearless and devotion, and I love this. Jay, you loved it too on Twitter. Yeah. The existing stewards from last season. Seeing attendances double and dealing with the issues that arise from that is a huge task to take on. Talkie game aside, they seem to have everything running as clockwork. And I would say as well in the talkie game, they also had to deal with some very difficult situations there. And then other mentions, um, we had a vote for Ollie Williams. So thanks for voting, Ollie. Uh, <laughs> we had a, a vote for the loyal supporters. Absolutely, the support's been amazing. Here's one I'll back up. Kingsley Evans, who was a top man, previous king of Dragonheart. And he, oh, well, I mean, fair play. He's a, he's a smashing fella. And there's so much, the audio programmes, stepping in to commentate on the, the Dover game. Um, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, another one said, the guys behind Fearless ID and Rob Ryan Red. I don't know what those two things are or, or what you could possibly mean. Um, <laughs> Christian Dibble, Tyler French, yeah. and an, another vote for Dean Keats. So fantastically varied that, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Uh, so what's yours, Bill? I, I'll have to um, admit I voted for Christian Dibble. He is really unfortunate that Leighton is so good. Um, I know he's had his stick and when he first started maybe it was a bit of a, a difficult period for him to adjust but the amount of times he's come back come into games and uh, been a safe pair of hands uh, no complaints happy to be a number two but has actually played quite a lot of games uh, yeah you know what uh, he, he could easily go and play for a lower team in this league but he's willing to stick around and do a job for us so fair play to Christian Dibble 100% yeah. uh, echo that Yours, uh, yours, Matt? I hadn't made my mind up when I started reading all the tweets coming in today and I haven't got a choice because I, I can't argue against the logic of the things people were saying. I can't argue against Steve Lloyd, who was fantastic. I can't argue against Kingsley because he's tremendous. And I also, from a football point of view, agree that Keats uh, did a great job and, and set up a lot of foundations for what we've done. So, um, yeah. I don't think I can add anything to those, and they're fantastic. I'm going to go with all match day staff from people at the retail team, media team, bar staff, stewards, security, groundsmen, everyone. They do a fantastic job, especially with the increase, increased attendances. And uh, yeah, they're, they're a real hard task, a really hard, unforgiving job. So yeah, and the, even yeah, the people who clean the stadium after mm. after the match is finished. 
they do very important jobs. They don't get paid a hell of a lot of money. And I'd like to say, yeah, that they're appreciated. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I'd like to, and I'd like to echo it all the other ones as well. So that's it for today for Dragonheart. And that's it for the year for Dragonheart. And I hope everyone's enjoyed it. I'd like to say thanks to Mark and like say thanks to Bill who's making his debut today. Um, yeah, it's been an excellent show. This has been Dragonheart. Rexon's Heartbeat. This is Calon FM.